relax. Those beats mean you're now listening to the very real people in places that supply your high. This is Grown Local with Billy Wayne Davis and Mike McGowan. There we go, gentlemen. We are recording. You guys, thank you. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, we've been we've been excited about talking to you again since we talked to you. So, and we know that you have actual things to do. So, it's nice that we we got you to donate some time today. Mike has been just. Mike, go ahead. I'll get out of the way. Mike has been bubbling to ask you a hundred million questions. So, well, I'm just mostly excited to talk to somebody that was so influential in the legalizing of the Colorado cannabis. I mean, would that be fair enough to say that you had a good amount to do with it? Uh, yes, that would be a fair statement. <laughs> and he's so humble with it, but you had got your beginnings in the safer aspect of it. Correct. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I, I, uh, co-founded safer back in 2005 in Colorado with the intention of building up support toward a, a future legalization effort, um, to regulate and, and, and tax cannabis and, and everything essentially worked out as planned. And yeah, so yeah, in Colorado. And then also, you know, through the marijuana policy project, um, I, I worked on a lot of the other initiatives around the country. Um, Alaska, Nevada, Massachusetts, Maine. Yeah, the first time we talked, you had talked a little bit about the other states. What do you think was the biggest differences between Colorado and the other states? Oh, uh, well, you know, Colorado was was really the, along with Washington, the, the first states. And I think that it was also uh, a very different uh, landscape in Colorado compared to Washington. Um, and therefore it was a very different type of campaign. Uh, in Washington, it was, um, you know, they'd had a very, very strong support for their medical cannabis program, a lot of establishment support. Ultimately, there was no real organized opposition other than, you know, some folks who were, uh, you know, generally supportive of legalization, but opposed to some of the specific, uh, you know, uh, aspects of the initiative, like things around the lack of home cultivation or penalties around driving, like things of that nature. So, um, you know, whereas in Colorado, we had, you know, extremely strong opposition from law enforcement and a number of elected officials, you know, call, you know, Washington had, a ton of state legislators in support, whereas in Colorado is virtually all of them were opposed, you know, Washington, their law enforcement were neutral, whereas all of them were generally opposed in Colorado. Uh, we had the current and the past two governors that were opposed um, at the time. So it's just a very different scene here. And um, then, you know, it was also something that hadn't been done. I mean, a big, a big, uh, a big hurdle is really, overcoming people's um, skepticism that it was possible for a state to do this, um, which, you know, it shouldn't have been such a, a challenge. I mean, obviously people saw that medical cannabis laws were, were in place, um, but there was also at that time still, you know, a lot of concern around the federal government and, and the federal government was still 
a lot more directly involved and, and, you know, shutting down some businesses in, in various states around the country and whatnot. So I think a lot of people felt like the second the state did this, it would be, you know, the feds would roll in and shut it down. And so in Colorado, you had to convince people that it was still the right thing to do anyway. Whereas after Colorado, you had the benefit of being able to point to Washington and Colorado where they had done this and it was working and it hadn't been shut down. So that, you know, that, that realistic aspect of it really does help. Well, I mean, so I'm from Oregon. I was here in Eugene when, you know, we watched you guys and Washington go first and like, we were like, all right, I guess we'll do it too. And we were still extremely skeptical here. We were like, oh, the feds are going to come in. This is a big trick. I mean, a bunch of friends of mine were in the cannabis industry for quite some time without even getting a medical card just because they didn't want to be on that type of paperwork. So then to go with the federal was definitely like, ah, oh, those guys are really going to come in once the state's legalized. But, um, you know, it's this whole entire season. I think one of the interesting aspects is like uh, Colorado, as opposed to Oregon and California, like here, it just feels like it's been a part of our society for a while. It's very agricultural based. Yeah. Um, but it seems like you guys really have to work hard to try and get people on your side and get the culture to change more or less around it. That's absolutely the case. I mean, you know, the whole West coast, I mean, California, Oregon, Washington, uh, have a much more deeply ingrained, you know, cannabis culture. Um, they're also generally, more you know progressive or, or you could even just say democratic leaning states to begin with um there are states where the the you know if you look at at least at the time um you, you know generally you had a democratic voter registration advantage that was pretty significant in all those states whereas in colorado um it was really up until you know i mean at, at least back in 2012 um, very much split between Democrats and Republicans, uh, you know, it's one third Democrats, one third Republicans, one third, uh, unaffiliated. Um, and so that's another kind of testament to the performance of that campaign in Colorado. And it's not to in any way downplay the, the campaign in, in Washington, but, you know, Washington had whatever, roughly 60% of the voters are Democrats. And, uh, you know, in Colorado only about, 35% of the voters are Democrats or whatever, whatever the numbers were, but I mean, a significantly lower percentage. Um, and so, you know, just looking at traditionally how much support you see amongst Republicans versus Democrats, I mean, that's a, a solid advantage to begin with. Um, so I think, you know, there was just a, a cultural acceptance. I mean, in, in those states, uh, uh, kind of, you know, it is what it is and, and we don't mind it. Whereas no, I lived in, yeah, I lived in Seattle for, about six years and coming from the south to the to the northwest like i liked cannabis but then when i got there i was like oh you guys this is like just a it's fine here like and then yeah. so when you guys legalized it first and i traveled it enough i was like man that's weird because half their state is kansas it's like <laughs> it's not people don't realize like they just think the rocky mountains i was like but most of the the eastern part of that state is just kansas still there's also very few people over there but you're right i mean it is it is like i mean that whole eastern all the eastern plains are are very rural but there's also very few people out there um but it's really it's it's also just the 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 outskirts of, of the denver metro area i mean we have you know 
some very large, like Douglas, Arapaho, like these counties around Denver are not hardcore democratic, you know, counties by any means. Um, but uh, yeah, and, you know, Seattle is a perfect, and a good example is, you know, Seattle in 2003 passed a, a measure to make adult marijuana possession the lowest law enforcement priority. And that was generally respected by the city government. Uh, they essentially stopped making arrests and they plummeted from whatever they were, approximately a you know, thousand or more, whatever per year to, to being virtually none uh, because the city government respected that that's what the voters wanted. Whereas in Denver, we actually went even further than that. First, we passed a measure saying there's no penalty under city law. And then we even passed a measure saying it's the lowest priority, which was very much modeled after that Seattle measure. And they still were arresting people at the same rates as Seattle prior to its, you know, lowest priority. So like that is a very good indicator of like the difference between the two is that in Seattle, when voters said stop arresting people for marijuana, the city government did. In yeah. Denver, when voters said the exact same thing, the city government resisted. And this is even in Denver, which is the, you know, arguably the most progressive place in the state. Um, so it was still just, yeah, very, very different at the time. How do you feel like you were able, because, you know, you talked about uh, the, the metrics as far as the amount of Republicans and more right-leaning people. How do you think you were able to get them to come on board with legalization as far as, you know, with cannabis? You know, what was the selling point, do you think? I think it varied. I mean, you know, ultimately overall and the, the, the broadest overall selling point was that, you know, was, was simply to, to inform voters of the fact that cannabis was not as harmful as they'd been led to believe and to get them to, to think of it as being a substance that adults use that isn't, you know, can be intoxicating, but is, is less, you know, harmful than, than alcohol is. And, you know, really getting people to, to, accept that fact and to appreciate it. Um, and, you know, then, you know, I think as it gets closer to the, you know, passage of amendment 64, so like, yeah, that's starting in 2005. I mean, that's the message that we were hammering on is this message of marijuana being a safer substance than alcohol and it just being something adults shouldn't be punished for using and so on. And then it's really, you know, as you start getting into, you know, closer to 2012, it becomes a more nuanced discussion around, you know, the tax revenue potential and the public safety aspects and the benefits of regulation and, and these things. So I think there were certainly plenty of people who were motivated by, by, you know, the benefits of regulation and the idea of it being controlled and, and, you know, products being tested and labeled and, and that sort of thing, because I, you know, there are certainly some people who might've had a general sense that, yeah, marijuana should be legal but they weren't quite certain how it would work and they needed to, to you know, really have that, that affirmation that, yeah, this is okay. It's going to, you know, it can be done. It's being done with another substance, alcohol that, you know, like we can do this and it'll have all these benefits. Um, I think then there's also some other people who maybe again, like, you know, didn't think it was necessarily didn't didn't necessarily care themselves about whether cannabis should be legal because they don't use it but saw the benefits of the tax revenue so you know the campaign that we ran in amendment with amendment 64 was very much about taking all these things that people might care about and really finding good ways to to reach people with them and, and we had a whole sub campaign called the talk it up 
campaign that was, uh, you know, really we getting people on board and then getting them to constantly share things with their family and their friends. And, you know, it was really like, so it, it was, if, you know, Tom Tancredo, a very conservative Republican congressman comes out in support of, of the measure, you know, that's, we were telling people, Hey, if you know, others who are Republicans or they're conservative and they're still unsure, you know, let like share this with them, let them know that, you know, it's okay. Like there are other Republicans who support this. Um, when the democratic party of Colorado officially supported the initiative, it was a matter of, you know, Hey, if you know people who are, are Democrats, you know, let them know that the part their party supports this. And, you know, cause ultimately like, you know, what we tend to see, and, you know, we saw this, for example, in California back in, in 2010, um, was that support for the concept of legalization, just generally the idea that, that marijuana should be legal is, is more widely supported than the nitty gritty detailed proposal that ends up being a ballot initiative, you know, mm. about regulation and taxes and all of these details where that's, you know, it, people start to get a little freaked out. They, they agree in principle, it should be legal, but then they start to get worried about these details. So we needed people to just go with that instinct of, yeah, you think this should be legal and look at all the people like you who say this is the right way to do it. I mean, so going to that, when you are thinking about a ballot measure and like pushing for this, are you even grasping or thinking about what that'll look like later on once the regulations, like I know it has to go through the house and all that stuff happens, but are you even thinking about that when you draw up the ballot measure? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and it, a lot of goes into the drafting and it varies by state. You know, for example, the Washington initiative uh, was very different than Colorado's because the Washington initiative was a statutory measure. It was not a constitutional measure. Colorado's was a constitutional amendment. Um, and by definition, I mean, these are very different types of proposals. And so, you know, the, the Washington, you know, having a statutory measure, you have to be very specific. You're writing very specific statutes about all these aspects of how this system is going to look versus with the constitutional amendment, we gave a general framework and said the legislature needs to create a system of statutes within this framework and so, you know, that's why the Colorado initiative was maybe, you know, a tiny fraction of the size or the length of, of the Washington one. It's not necessarily that they ended up having hugely different, you know, effects. It's just that they were handled differently based on the differences in, you know, initiative laws in the two states, based on the difference in levels of support. I mean, in Colorado, we could have run a statutory initiative, but we knew that the legislature was hostile and that it might just change it completely or repeal it immediately if it was just a statute. We needed it to be a constitutional amendment. Um, so, you know, there's just a lot of things around that. Like we, we also included very, uh, hard deadlines for when the legislature needed to act and when uh, regulators needed to act, uh, knowing that in a lot of states where we see these laws passed, they end up, you know, they pass it and then they take forever to get implemented. Uh, we did not want that to happen. So we were very sure to, to address those things. And then, you know, creating clear 
you know, kind of guardrails for what these things should look like. And ultimately with, with our initiative, a lot of it also was encapsulated in the overall title and theme of it, which is that, you know, we wanted cannabis to be regulated like alcohol. And, you know, in some sense that, you know, like, I mean, it was called the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol and it was branded as such. And, a lot, you know, part of that is a matter of marketing, right? It's just a matter mm -hmm. of trying to reach voters and get them to think of this as, hey, this is a substance that adults are allowed to use, young people cannot, it needs to be controlled. We want it to be regulated. Like part of it was that marketing, but the another part of it was establishing voters intent. I mean, once this thing passed, legislators take into consideration and even courts ultimately will take into consideration what voters intended. And if it's very clearly established that voters believed they would be regulating cannabis like alcohol when they passed this, then that would have to be respected. And so we would hear that, you know, throughout the implementation process, legislators say, you know, someone would propose some bullshit like, oh, let's do this absurd thing. And you'd have some legislators say, well, yeah, but the voter, like we're supposed to be regulating like alcohol. I mean, that was not like a, you know, legal requirement that it be, I mean, there's, you know, regulating it like alcohol. I mean, that was, but, but because it was so much a part of the campaign and, and the public dialogue, it gave people that that you know fallback of like we need to be treating this like alcohol, and and that's not to say that they've fully respected that, but they haven't. <laughs> I mean, that for sure happened here in Oregon. I mean, just even in what we put up, it was made like in the verbiage. It was like, do not touch the medical whatsoever. Leave yeah, that was in our system. as well. Absolutely. And then our medical system got ripped to shreds and taken apart for legalization and for a lot of that, which I understand that as far as trying to make money and living off of that, but it was also a little disheartening to see that repercussion happen, you know, and, uh, but you know, that's part of it. Were there any things that you were surprised as something that happened uh, with legalization, you know, where you, you know, when you go in and you're, you know, trying to get something done, you know, you'll maybe ask for more than what you think you'll get just in case they take a few things away. Was there anything where you're like, Oh, wow. They let us keep that going. Um, I mean, you know, the, the measure was pretty clear. And, and again, being a constitutional amendment, there's not a whole lot of, of wiggle room. So for example, you know, like including home cultivation, a lot of the, the unknowns are the questions as to what would be allowed that those, those were answered before the vote occurred. So, you know, like when we submitted the language for the initiative, we had to submit various, you know, various versions of it because we weren't certain uh, what might be decided by very, you know, the title, the ballot title setting board or other, excuse me, um, state officials. Like, so what we've seen, you know, for example, recently, um, you know, with some of the, the things we've seen and, and for example, like in Florida, uh, where, you know, the courts have, have tossed out a couple initiatives lately. Um, and we've seen some other initiatives run into trouble are, are these questions around things like the ballot title and around language that's used and so on. Um, and, you know, single subject issues, uh, generally initiatives can only address a single subject. Like these were questions that came up, um, not so much it wasn't like oh we included it and it turned out they followed through um we didn't know like for example um we weren't sure could hemp be included could could you know call like, having the the regulation of, of of hemp for industrial purposes that could that be included or is that a separate subject 
Um, and it's kind of strange because for so long, advocates have been arguing that these are two different things. And, you know, hemp is so entirely separate from, from, you know, medical or adult use cannabis and like, they shouldn't be lumped together and, you know, they're completely different. And now in this case, we're like, well, you know, cannabis is cannabis. Like we should be allowed to have hemp. Um, it's the same and, plan. It's crazy yeah, how that works. Like, I don't know that guy up. at all. I don't know that dude at all. Oh, oh, he's got a, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but like we didn't know if, if that would be viewed as a single subject rule issue or not. So, you know, we had to have an, a version of the initiative that did include hemp, one that did not. Um, when it came to the, the taxation, uh, Colorado has a taxpayer bill of rights. It's a certain type of law a lot of states have that um, basically has all these very, you know, stringent rules around any sort of ballot measure that increases taxes or creates a new tax. And you know, it's just a, it really changes the dynamic of an initiative if it's considered a, a TABOR or taxpayer bill of rights measure um, in terms of the language it has to use and all sorts of other things. So like we didn't know if it was gonna be considered a, a, a new tax or not, like, cause our initiative did not create a tax. It required the legislature to create a tax. Um, and so, but we didn't know how that was. So we had to have a version that treated it as if it was creating a new tax and one that didn't. But then because we also had this hemp thing, we had to have a version with hemp and the tax version without hemp and the tax, you know, like all these different kind of, you know, um, and then we had to go through the process and see, okay, well, what is going to be allowed? Like what, how, how will we get through? Are these going to be challenged? Are these going to make it? Um, and ultimately the best possible version, what we ideally would have wanted did end up, making it and that's what we ended up with. So it wasn't so much that we asked for everything and were surprised that it was allowed. I mean, I guess you could say that we we proposed everything and we were surprised that it was allowed to be voted on. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, just, I'm sure you guys were like, holy shit, it actually happened, fuck. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that is awesome. I think one of the more fun things to watch from all the way over here in Oregon is how immediately and even not even Washington getting it, but immediately you guys became a tourist attraction for cannabis where everybody was like, Hey, let's go to Colorado and smoke weed. I mean, was that even anything on your guys's radar as the thing that could happen through legalization or. Yeah. I mean, we certainly talked about how it would be beneficial. I mean, you know, it's interesting because you had opponents, um, making the same case and but you know with a negative spin saying oh we're going to become a, a tourist attraction for all the low lives who use cannabis uh you know whereas i think more reasonable people were saying hey this is going to make colorado a a a, a a better destination or a more attractive destination to people. I mean, you know, can like, but it cuts both ways. I mean, arguably like, you know, like I would say, Hey, there's probably a lot of people around the country thinking about going on vacation to go skiing. They're considering all the places they could go. Are they going to go to park city, Utah, where they can't use cannabis and they have to, you know, sign up a membership to go into a bar or do they want to come to Colorado where, they can go to the store and buy some cannabis while they're here. And, you know, it might help 
steer people towards Colorado. And, and, you know, assuming you can get over the fact that there are lots of people who use cannabis and that doesn't inherently make them bad people. And, and therefore undesirable <laughs> tourists. Um, if you can, uh, you know, go ahead and, and get over that, then it, it, yeah, it's certainly something that we felt would be beneficial. Um, and thus far it has appeared to be. And, and, you know, we've also seen an evolution in how officials look at this from that perspective. You know, they, they, I think, you know, that was a big argument from 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 folks when we were during this campaign was you know we had a, you know government officials saying this is going to hurt Colorado's brand, you know saying oh they're they're not going to want to you know people will not want to visit or people will not want companies will not want to relocate here or they will not want to hold their conventions here, and you know we said no one's you know basing their decision on that. Nobody um, does conventions in Las Vegas anyway. So. Exactly. I mean, and the thing is, like, that's it's just irrelevant. And and obviously, as expected, Colorado saw, you know, not, I mean, it had certainly did not see any negative impact. It's continued to see growth and positive impacts. I mean, whether that can be attributed to cannabis or not is arguable. But um, I I think now a lot of officials will say that it's it's beneficial. Hmm. I mean, it seems like, you know, it's, it was the, you know, there was already the X games and stuff there, you know, so there was a lot of young things that felt like it was happening in Colorado, but as far as what I've seen in Denver, it seems like it was explosive after you guys legalized it. So, well, there was a nice come together of the tech industry came there and then you guys doing that. It wasn't a nice influx of intelligence uh, flocking to that region where they, they were also civic minded, where they were going to be like, Hey, yeah, that would be cool if we could do this. And you guys being like, it's better. So it was like a, a wonderful moment that has exploded that town in a way that is interesting to watch as just someone that pops in a couple times a year, tells my jokes and leaves. But I mean, it also, there's something like you said, like, so many eyes were on it that people were coming not as tourists but also to just to see how's this working like and i you could see them and i just i remember one day i was there walked around town uh walked in a dispensary bought gummy bears and then walked into the course field and watched the game by myself and i was like this is how life should probably be everywhere it was just like, well, I'm not, this is, and I remember just going back, I, I said it on stage. I told that story on stage a bunch everywhere I went. I was like, there's no joke to this. I just want people to know what it can be like because they figured it out. I was like, there's some, you know, like, I was like, we still haven't figured out booze. So maybe just chill on like, what well, is it perfect? So. Yeah, well, exactly. And that's the big thing is that, yeah, it's never going to be, um, entirely uniform from one state to another and it's never you know there will always be things that that are arguably imperfect um depending on your perspective in, in a number of ways i mean but you know ultimately <laughs> yeah i can't get enough at one time that's not <laughs> yeah. perfect yeah you, you know uh, but like ultimately it's a legal product and it's treated yep. like a legal product it's you know and and i think that um once one of you know this type of law passes uh, the the that 
the benefits are pretty quickly clear. Um, the first time, for example, when, you know, you say, leave some cannabis in the center console of your car or in the glove compartment or, or anywhere for that matter. I mean, you know, for a lot of people for a long time, like there was anxiety around that. Like, like the idea that like you opened your, you know, center console and oh my gosh, you left some marijuana in there and you'd forgotten about it. Oh my God, it could have been, God, I could have gotten pulled over and I would have totally forgotten that was there. And I mean, just the idea of like, you know, it's kind of like uh, for a lot of people, not maybe not for everyone. Some people just didn't give a shit, but for most people, I was going to say mean, you're supposed to feel anxiety. Most people you're talking to two guys who were like, really people. Oh yeah. I would huh. be like, Hey, uh, there's some weed in here. You guys. <laughs> yeah, not people like you degenerate stoners. Yeah, but normal exactly. people, uh, exactly. normal yeah, human. Normal yeah, I did people, want to clarify like a lot of our you know, listeners, like most people feel anxiety with yeah it's like the idea of like walking around with some with some cannabis in your pocket there was a level of like oh my gosh i could get in trouble and now it's like you could leave it sitting on your dashboard and it's you know perfectly legal um and or if you have it in your pocket or oops i i'm like walking into uh some event and i still have it I mean, as long as you you know you may not be allowed to use it in there but you're still allowed to possess it um it's just like that alleviation of that sense of like discomfort or anxiety is, is, you know, that's what we're talking about. And especially going back to like where this, like in Colorado was safer and how that all really started. It was really talking about the absurdity of, of laws that are steering people away from making the safer choice to use cannabis instead of alcohol if they prefer and it's that type of sense, like that notion of people being worried that they're going to get in trouble. It's like, there are a lot of people, and again, not everyone, but many people who never try cannabis or never use it or, or don't use it frequently because they're cons the, the consequences. They might lose their job. They might lose their custody of their children. They might get, you know, have to pay a fine. They might, you know, all these things or have a criminal record. Like, uh, those are all reasons for people to say, you know what, it's not worth using cannabis, but I'm, you know, still a human being that wants to get fucked up. So I'm going to go out and drink. And, you know, now we're starting to level the playing field to like take away that. Now, are, is that to say that these two products are treated exactly the same? No, they're certainly not. I mean, you can, you know, we've got a fucking baseball stadium named after a beer company. <laughs> and, you know, obviously alcohol is sold virtually everywhere and cannabis can only be sold in these certain stores and so on. And, you know, it's not, a level playing field, but it's getting much closer to that. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully one day there will be sports venues named after, you know, cookies or somebody like that. Arguably they're probably, you know, you could say that they <laughs> probably shouldn't be named after beer companies. I mean, that's a good argument to have. I, I'm not saying I feel strongly one way or another, but you know, it's like, there are legitimate concerns about the social impacts of alcohol consumption. Um, there are certainly social benefits of alcohol consumption, but is there, you know, is there a need to, to really integrate, you know, ingrain alcohol into our society so much that like for a little kid to go live out their dream at a baseball game, they have to go and like, or like, to, like and like sit in a beer themed stadium and, you know, <laughs> 
Like you just defended like, the you know, like if you're a little kid of Wisconsin, the <laughs> like, whole state of Wisconsin is. Just if you are a young child who's going to invite a few friends to their birthday party and it's going to be going to see a baseball game, a professional baseball game in Colorado, you are essentially forced to advertise for Coors Beer. You have to notify everyone that you will be celebrating your birthday at Coors Field. And it's like, should that have to be the case? Like, eh, you know, it's a little weird. Um, so I would be fine with there not being stadiums named after campus companies. Now, given that there are stadiums named after alcohol companies, it's kind of like, well, if they, you know, it's like, well, if they get to do it, you know, but it, I also could see a good argument for why neither of them should be able to. <laughs> okay. I'm going to switch it up. I'm with you now. I think neither of them should get to. <laughs> I yeah I like it I like it when a company names a stadium after themselves and then they go under that's pretty funny <laughs> like well yeah we used to have Sports Authority Field we don't really hear much about Sports Authority anymore <laughs> no you don't you don't uh, no so. This is the bigger question. And I know it's not like just out of the gate, you're in the spotlight, but you know, we all at work have projects that we're working on and trying to do. How does it feel to have the entire nation watch you work on a work project basically with legalizing? I mean, you had the entire country watching you for your job, you know, something you're passionate about, but you know, how does that feel to have the entire country staring at you while you work? Well, it's interesting because I mean, not only it's not just that, but I mean, arguably like for, I mean, when it comes to like all the work that we did with safer and then even with amendment 64 and, and after that, it's not even just that the whole country is watching it. It's that we're trying to get them to, you know, I mean, like, yeah. it's, not, it's not just that, like, oh, we're running this campaign and uh, we have to think about the fact that everyone is watching. It's like the goal is to get people to watch. So, you know, it's not that awkward or strange that people are watching because that's like literally, you know, the entire point is to get, you know, because it was always around public awareness and and mm. and, and trying to generate you know, news coverage and, and so on. So, um, you know, I never really thought of it that way in that like, oh, we better get this right because everyone's watching. It was like, we better get this right to make sure everyone watches. And, you know, and, and, and of course, that means doing it right so that while, you know, that, that we put on a good show. But, well, uh, the the first time I did comedy in front of 300 people, I was like, whoa, this is a lot of people to do comedy in front of. And it was like, oh, yeah, this is what you've been trying to do. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. also it's also really it's a lot easier to do it in front of a bunch of people. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I got what was one of the like once you guys <clears throat> you you got your success and people started asking you for stuff like what was one of the strangest offers you got not even like i'm sure it's like not even in the cannabis world just like because once you accomplish something like some feat like you guys accomplished I mean, people I notice know, stuff. i don't know I, I wouldn't necessarily say that that there was anything you know it wasn't like anything super bizarre you know um but I think that, um, you know, I will say that uh, just generally speaking, this isn't necessarily me as an individual, but organizations, uh, you know, I could speak certainly from having worked for the Marijuana Policy Project uh, for a number of years, 
you know, I think that there are a lot of people who, who, uh, you know, have expectations that, that these organizations should do, uh, you know, should do all sorts of things that, you know, they may not have the ability to do. I mean, like we, you know, there some people are, are generally, they recognize that when, you know, resources are limited, they'd say, oh, you know, can you, you know, we hope you'll do something in our, this state or what have you. And, and, you know, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but like, there are also some people who would get upset say like, oh, like you don't give a shit about Wyoming. And it's like, well, it's not that you don't give a shit about Wyoming. It's that, you know, there's only so much we can do. We have a nonprofit organization, limited budget. There's only so many people giving, you know, donate, making donations. So we have this limited money and we are, you know, responsible to them. We are, you know, have to accomplish the most possible. Um, and if we were to focus a, a, an undue amount of time on, on Wyoming, we would not be fulfilling the obligation to the people that donated and would not really be serving the overall purpose of legalization. I mean, an argument could be made that, you know, the quickest way to, to legalize cannabis in Wyoming is not necessarily to run an initiative in Wyoming that's going to fail, but to run initiatives in other places that are going to pass. And, yes, and then start a chain letter in Wyoming. And by the end of the year, everyone will get it and they'll know what's up. Yeah. And, and you know, especially when it comes to like certain like people like, Oh, like you haven't done enough in Florida. It's like, well, Florida is a fucking giant state. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you to run an initiative in Florida. I mean, just to get on the ballot is millions and millions of dollars. Um, it, it's not a sure thing. It's a very difficult process. It's very, you know, and let alone the, the hurdle of, of actually convincing enough people to approve it. Um, so, and you, you know, guys are working from a sane perspective. That's not going to yeah, help. And, some, you, and you would have some people who feel this entitlement of like, oh, well, you, you say that you're legalizing cannabis, but you're not doing, you're ignoring us. It's like, and it's not a matter of ignoring, but, you know, I'd say that that sort of thing has been a case on, you know, whether it's normal or, or you know, marijuana policy or any organizations feel that all the time. And I'm sure that that's not just a cannabis thing. That's like, you know, hey, uh, ACLU, why are you not paying attention to my case? Because I'm getting fucked over. And it's like, so you might say, hey, we really do care about your case, but it's just the circumstances aren't right or we don't have the people right now or whatever the case might be, you know, and they have to make those decisions. And so I would say that, that that's probably more the type of thing that would you would deal with, uh, you know, it wasn't really like people like asking you to do other weird stuff necessarily. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's gotta be hard, you know, especially if everybody's turning to you being like, help us, save us, let us get high in our state. And there's only so much that you can actually do, but you know, would there be something that you using this platform right now would recommend those people to do on their own to maybe make it a little bit easier for a group like that to come in and help them along the process? Well, I'd say that, you know, depending on where you are, I, I would say the first thing you should do if you're not already aware is to look into whether there are efforts underway in your state. Sometimes people don't even know, you know, like we, mm. we were doing stuff in Colorado for, for, yeah, I remember MM64 people showed up saying they wanted to help out who had been in Colorado for the 
previous few years, like the years leading up to it, where we we were doing shit then and they weren't involved. And, it, you know, maybe it's because they didn't think it was as important then, or maybe mm. they just didn't hear about it or, you know, whatever. I mean, um, so it's important to, number one, look into this sort of thing. So whether it's the Marijuana Policy Project, Normal, or other local groups, like, okay, is there anything actually happening? Like, are you actually aware of things before you say, no one's doing anything, make sure you know whether anyone's doing anything. Um, and then, you know, number two, regardless of whether there is or is, I mean, if, the, if there's something going on that you can help with, great. Um, you know, it, it'd be nice to say, oh, like start an effort and lead it and so on. And, and that's, you know, a nice sentiment, but it's, it's, you know, not a simple thing. I mean, it requires resources. It requires, you know, whether it's money or, or time and, you know, not everyone has the luxury. Like I consider myself incredibly fortunate that I managed to find a way to work on this issue for a living. I mean, I, you know, finished school and I, I mean, I, I, I mean, let's be honest, like I, I didn't make a lot of money. I mean, for the first, you know, many number of years that I was working on this, I was making very, very little money. Um, but, you know, that's better than a lot of a lot of people were just doing this as a volunteer. They don't even have the chance to to make any sort of living doing it. So you know, it's it would be really nice to say, oh, start an organization, and you know, but that's not always possible. So what I would say is look into whether there are an, is an existing entity or organization that within which you can help. Um, if you've got resources to contribute, certainly offer those or, or reach out to organizations and, and say, I can bring this to the table. Um, but most importantly, I would say from, for anyone is to really, you know, make sure that, you know, at the very least you're impacting the, the people around you, you know? Um, I, I mean, I'll never forget, um, you know, it was, it was right in the beginning when we first started safer, uh, one of the first campaign, like the, our, our pilot project was organizing student uh, referendums on college campuses at Colorado State University and University of Colorado. These were campus ballot measures simply saying the students don't think the penalties for marijuana should be any greater than for alcohol. And we had, you know, we were on campus every day, you know, in the campus newspaper, in the local newspaper, handing out flyers. I mean, stuff's everywhere about this thing. It's on the ballot. It's voted. I remember like we, we had like, you know, we had a, hired a student like, you know, employee basically, or, you know, gave a stipend to a student on each campus to like really help with, with all the organizing and whatnot. And we were at this kid's, you know, at his, uh, his house off campus. Uh, the election had just ended. It was like election night. And, you know, we were like, and uh, we're sitting in this dude's house and uh, his, one of his roommates shows up and he's like, oh yeah, did you vote? And he's like, oh no, I didn't hear about it. And it was like, <laughs> what? Like, like, how's that possible? And, you know, um, like, we had been paying this student to, like, help us organize all these people on campus. And he did a great job. But, like, somehow the kid who lived down his, the hall from him didn't hear about this. Dude, and like, is that what you've been doing? Yeah, it's like, but it's just like, you know, it's, it's surprising, like how much that happens. Like, I mean, you know, some people are oftentimes more, they're like, I want to go out and try to convince strangers to support legalization. Well, start by convincing your best friends and family members. And, and for some people, their best friends and family members may already be convinced and they don't need convincing. 
But the point being, like, you know, talk to people in your neighborhood, talk to people, like, or, you know, whatever the case might be. Um, but, like, look at, at the people around you and make sure, you know, reach out to your elected official. People are like, I want to get the whole legislature to do something. Like, have you contacted your state representative? You know, like, reach out to those closest to you first and make sure that they're on board and hearing about this stuff. That's great information. Um, just one thing that's rolling around in my head. What do you think was the most unexpected, you know, uh, thing that happened from legalization, you know, good or bad or indifferent? What was the thing that you're like, ha, I did not see that coming from shaking this hornet's web. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would say that, um, I, you know, I, 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 to be honest, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to necessarily say good or bad, but I mean, I'm surprised at, um, at the, and I don't necessarily even know that it's, I, I wouldn't say that legalization has caused it, but it's, it's certainly been something that has just been occurring around the country. Um, but just the, the prominence of, of concentrates um, and dabbing in particular uh, you know, which is something that really was unheard of um, less than 10 years ago yeah. uh, and is now, you know, and to be honest, I, I do have some concerns around it. It's not to say it should be illegal or anything of that nature. It's, you know, uh, but I, I certainly do have concerns about the idea of like that being an entry point for people with using cannabis. Yeah, uh, that's fair. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, and to be honest, I, you know, that's not to say like, oh, the industry, you know, is, is, is carefree or whatever. I mean, I think that the industry certainly has its, its concerns as well in terms of wanting to make sure people are being responsible. And, you know, they don't have anything to gain from people having terrible experiences, um, you know, but I, I just, um, I've been very surprised at, um, you know, how that, I, I, how that's grown so much and has become so popular um, because, you know, I mean, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that that is a whole different scenario in the cannabis world is, is this idea of, of, you know, people immediately starting with these super high potent forms. And it's not to say again, that those, there's no room for those. I think that they're, are certainly, you know, it's, it's like, like 151, right? Like, yeah. So I was going to say moonshine. You know, It'd be like handling semi moonshine. I mean, you know, sometimes it, it's called for and, but you know, as a day to, you know, daily after work thing, is it, do you need to be yeah, drinking Everclear? No. Um, and especially mm -hmm. if you've never drank a beer in your life, <laughs> did you start with Everclear? Absolutely not. I do have a story about drinking Everclear in seventh grade, but that's not this podcast. So you can't remember, you can't remember what happened. So this is, that's a recollection of other people's stories is what that is. But that's, that's been one, you know, I don't know. I mean, I gotta say like the biggest surprise has also been um, how quickly uh, support did grow. Uh, you know, at this point now it feels like, um, it's just so strong and solidified, but, you know, even with 2012, 2013, we were just, you know, in the high forties nationwide and, uh, things then hit 50 and then jumped up and, you know, now we're at like approximately two thirds 
of Americans who support legalization. But, you know, when you look at like from the time that, that, you know, most like a lot of the, you know, the big wave of medical marijuana measures had passed was in the, you know, the, the early 2000, like you know, the late nineties and then into, you know, up until like 2010 or so. Um, but, you know, you really like support for legalization was pretty stagnant. And then, you know, after Colorado, Washington, it just started to jump. And um, I'm not surprised necessarily that it has increased, but I am surprised with how quickly it did. Um, so that's a great jumping off point for this question. When does federal legalization happens? And what do you think is going to be the biggest sticking point for that to happen? You know, it's really hard to say, and this is, and it's also kind of sad that this has been my answer to this question for a decade, um, or, <laughs> you know, um, but it's, it's, to be honest, I mean, it's, it's, I think I, I have, I am more concerned by the state of, of divide in, in, you know, our politics and, and the general state of affairs in Congress than I am by the level of support. Um, you know, like getting anything done, like keeping the government operating, you know, providing basic services, like all these things are a struggle to get done in the federal government right now. And so it's not so much like, that's not to say that there, you know, support is, is overwhelming in Congress. I think it's getting pretty strong and, and pretty solid, but it needs to be so overwhelmingly strong for them to do something. And, and I think we're getting there. I mean, look at the fact that, um, you know, the house is likely going to be hopefully passing the more act, uh, tomorrow. Um, and we, you know, the house has previously passed more. We've seen all this, this progress at the federal level, but, um, for that magnitude of, uh, you know, it just, there needs to be so much overwhelming support to get anything even considered, you know? Um, so it's like, I'm not so much, you know, I think that back in, you know, the nineties and the early two thousands, it was like, well, there's just not enough support in Congress for them to, to do this. And now it's not, that's not necessarily how I feel. I think there probably is support enough support, but do they do anything? No. And, <laughs> you know, it's kind of sad, but it's really difficult. Um, so I, when could it happen? I mean, honestly, I think it's, it's, it could be possible at any point. Cause I also think that, the, you know, there's questions like if you follow any, any federal politics, you know, you see this sort of thing with just like the, the nature of all the rules and the, the, the strange, you know, um, like, ways in which things, you know, oh, this bill gets tacked on to this or gets added as an amendment to that or gets, you know, like there's, and to be honest, it's never been like following, you know, Congress and, and all the parliamentary procedure and all the, the stuff that goes into to that has never been my strong. So I've always needed people to explain it at every turn, but, you know, it seems like things could happen. Like, like, for example, the safe banking act was just added into you know a different piece of legislation and and you know must pass legislation and, and approved by the house um that sort of thing could happen at any time right um and i also i think there's a curious like a question as to 
at what point certain individuals within government or within the political establishment recognize the potential value or benefit of, of this politically. Um, so, you know, I think that there are plenty of elected officials who see that this is an industry, that this is creating jobs, it's creating tax revenue, it's got public safety, you know, they're, they're true believers or, or they just, you know, the, there are maybe some who say, hey, this could be some, uh, another industry that will be supportive of my campaigns. Like, who knows, whatever the case may be, um, there are more and more elected officials coming to just view the legal cannabis industry as legitimate and deserving of being treated legitimately. Um, if let's say, you know, whoever's whispering in the, you know, who, let's say Mitch McConnell's out and whoever's going to be replacing him does like has people around them and they view this as, Hey, here's like they're st strategically, they see value in the Republicans becoming a party that, you know, gets this done, whether it's for electoral purposes, whether it's for fundraising purposes, whatever the case might be, like that could be a huge benefit. I mean, that could boost things very quickly. And so I think it could happen anytime within the next six months to six years um, mm -hmm. with the most likely thing being, I think we'll see, you know, a few you know more states in the next couple of years. And then especially after, I think, uh, uh, you know, if it has not happened, which hopefully it will have, but if it has not by after the 2024 election, because we, we should hopefully, you know, if we don't see them, you know, whether it's Florida and Ohio or some of these additional states, more states through the legislatures or through ballot initiatives. And then, you know, by 2024, 2025, um, and, you know, depending on who gets elected president next, that could be, you know, the case. And it's also a question of, you know, who's running for president on both sides. I mean, is it Biden? Is it, is it even Trump or is it, is it a young Republican who has, you know, views cannabis as a way to reach new voters, you know? What a time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> I know that a little bit of that made my skin crawl. Just think about Trump. <laughs> well, it's a fun. fact that you have to look at because we live now. But thank you for your good Lord, your time and your brain. It's I like, if I don't stop now, we'll have to do like three episodes. So, and no, no, no. yes. Anytime you want to come yammer at us, we will, we will listen to anything you have to say. Cause it is right on point. And it's, we just want everyone listening across the country to know, like, listen, just, just one step at a time is how you do this. It's anything else. Just, it's just like growing it too. It's like you learn one little step at a time, and then one day you're like, "Hey, look at that shit!" Um, <laughs> but thank you so much for your time. Uh, if 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 you could just tell people a couple of organizations if they're just trying to throw money at at something to help. Yeah, well, I would say, you know, the Marijuana Policy Project is, is you know, the largest national organization that uh, is working on this around the country, state legislatures, supporting ballot initiatives, um, MPP.org uh, is a wonderful organization that's doing a lot of great work. Um, 
normal has been spreading you know information about this subject about cannabis introducing people to this issue for so long uh and then there's some 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 great newer organizations uh that you know the cannabis industry has been really getting behind and, and starting uh like the u.s cannabis council which uh is you know really the marijuana policy projects involved as well as the cannabis trade federation and you know it's a bigger national kind of trade group uh but really representing a whole lot of different uh voices on cannabis issues so you know really any of these types of things awesome that is mike you got anything as a weed smoker i just wanted to say thank you that's it <laughs> yeah it's kind of funny because i think i mean if i'm not mistaken you actually are a cultivator right so, i am yeah <laughs> you know you, you're 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 thanking me as someone who grows you're you're, you're a, a marijuana grower thanking a consumer <laughs> well i mean it's just kind of bizarre it's like oh <laughs> If there weren't people who could grow it, then I wouldn't have any desire to even work on making it legal. So, it's just feelings, nice to be mutual. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, man. Thank you very much. You guys are awesome. <laughs> I'm gonna have to step up my background game. I got one of you guys in a weed field, the other one's in fucking heaven, and I'm like <laughs> You got in a, cool rock sitting, in a, sitting in a fucking one you know, two bedroom apartment, uh Let's say I gotta gotta find something a little, a little more exciting.